This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bust and Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Boston Blues Baseball. It is episode 69. Toby, what's up? Yeah, I mean, the Nationals are undefeated in the Dylan Cruz era, so it's kind of nice to see that the boys are playing well, and not only playing well, but playing well at Nationals Park, something we haven't been able to say for pretty much most of the season. So good to see the boys finish that streak, get Dylan Cruz signed. I mean, a lot of good things happened at Nationals Park over the weekend. A sweep, and the Nationals didn't get swept. They did the sweeping. They're the ones holding the broom. Amazing. Had not happened in two calendar years. Had not happened in over 100 series. You got to go back to 2021, and they did it. The final game of the series on Sunday, kind of going away. They led by two after one. They led by three after three. They led by five after four, and they won six to one in the game. Got a really good start from Mackenzie Gore. Uh, If this was earlier in the year or at a point in his career where he's allowed to go 105, 110 pitches, and he might have thrown six or seven innings in the outing. But instead, five innings at 90 pitches, scatters four hits, scoreless, eight strikeouts. I think I read somewhere it was the fourth start in his career where he'd gone at least five innings without giving up a run, punching out eight. Looked like he was in control. Really, really good and encouraging sign for Mackenzie Gore. Well, and you bring up Gore, and I think it was the same thing the day before with Josiah Gray. He went seven innings, only 87 pitches, and this is a credit to the Nationals offense for showing up to the point that Davey Martinez had an option here. He could go and bring in the bullpen and count on them to keep the lead. You know, if it's a one or two run game, I think that's a pretty difficult decision for Davey to make. But that's a credit to the offense for putting some runs on the board. That's a credit to Gore and Gray for limiting those runs so that it's a it's not a close game when those guys were leaving. So, you know, they were able to go to the bullpen. The bullpen was able to hold on. I mean, we saw what happened the last series, the bullpen just imploded. So luckily they were able to hold on in all these games. And I think that you're seeing a lot of good signs from these pitchers. I mean, Josiah Gray, he struggled early. He bounced back. I mean, this seems to be the story of every Gray start. He somehow battles through and does really well. And then Gore, I mean, you'd like to see him be a little more pitch efficient. I think that's still the number one thing we got to work on with him. But five innings, eight Ks, that's a guy that – 
you know, as you can continue to mature and as he continues to grow, that outing turns into six innings, 10 Ks, maybe seven innings, 12 Ks down the line. Like that was an ace type stuff that, you know, is in the potential there for Mackenzie Gore. So it was really good to see those guys pitch really well at Nats Park this weekend. Yeah, totally. I think it adds so much to the conversation and to the accomplishment that the sweep came with Jake Irvin, Josiah Gray, and Mackenzie Gore throwing. Your three young members of this rotation, so to speak, with all due respect to Corbin and Trevor Williams. You know, those are the three most important guys moving forward here, probably in the order of Gore, Gray, and Irvin, and all three of them through. We'll get to Josiah in a minute. I'll, I'll, we kind of want to go game by game here. Uh, but on Mackenzie Gore's outing on Sunday, he had 19 swings and misses, Toby. I mean, I know it was only five innings, which kind of makes that even more impressive, 90 pitches, but 19 whiffs from him. So if you go through the specifics here, fastball average on the year, 95.1 for the day, 94.7, so down just a tick. But I thought his location was really, really good. Um, his four-seam fastball, he got seven swings and misses on 20 swings, about 35%, which is a good rate. His curveball, 12 swings, six whiffs, 50%, pretty awesome. His slider, 10 swings, five whiffs, 50%, same thing. And then he threw uh, four change-ups. He got one swing, and it was a swing and a miss on the change-up. So it was 43 swings, 19 whiffs, about 44%. You can't do it a whole lot better than that. Then he gave way to what has been a really bad bullpen. Weems had a bit of a bounce back outing. Willingham did give up a hit and a run, which is kind of expected on a solo homer. But then Mason Thompson went uh, clean inning, 10-pitch frame. And then Joe LaSorsa, who settled in okay here lately, threw 12 pitches and, and threw an inning as well. So pitching was definitely the story. Offensively in the third game of the series win, though, in the sweep, Riley Adams on the day game homers again. Riley Adams is OPS on the year. Like, do people understand? He's got a 900 OPS. When this guy plays, he hits. And oftentimes, he, he comes through with a big knock. Uh, I thought with the home run uh, was kind of just a continuation of when he gets his chances, he takes advantage of them. And then the story of the day was Lane Thomas. Three hits, drove in a run. Uh, Lane Thomas continues to... Now elevate his batting average back up toward 300, 295. And he was the third national ever to steal four bases. He, he pulled a Ricky Henderson going out and swiping four bags. I didn't know he had that kind of speed. Like, you knew he was quick, and you've seen him steal bags in the past. But four in a game, I mean, that's impressive what he was able to do. But going back to Mackenzie Gore, you know, when you look at his fastball velocity – I don't know if that's the indicator whether he's on his game or not. You know, looking at some guys, you're like, all right, is he hitting the 98-99? That's not where Gore's at. I think he's more so, can he command that fastball? Because you see him at times, he's only throwing 94-95, but guys can't catch up to it when it's up in the zone and when he's hitting his spots. So I think for him, you know, Mason Thompson has talked about this in the past with how he used to be. He was looking more so at what the – the radar gun was saying, as opposed to location and the swings that they were giving him at the plate. I think that's kind of what he needs to do with Gore, where Mason Thompson got away from that and said, let me focus on location. That's kind of the thing with Gore. Like he might only throw 94 in an outing and that's okay because he still gets swings and misses with that. And that's not even looking at his other stuff where he was getting swings and misses with the curve. You mentioned a change up in there, which he hasn't thrown a whole lot this year. So as he continues to develop, I think it's more so looking at his command and just continuing to be better with his location. 
And then, yeah, I mean, it's so good to see the offense get things going. And like you mentioned with Riley Adams, all that dude does when he gets in the lineup is hits. And he's not in the lineup very often. You almost look at it and not, nothing against Riley Adams, but whenever you see that Kbert Ruiz is having a day off, you're almost like, oh, man, I wanted to see what Kbert was going to do today. But every single time Riley Adams comes through and gives you a home run or comes up with some big hit or has an extra base hit somewhere in the game, and you're like, well, you know what? Riley Adams isn't so bad. So it's an odd spot where they're at, but it's always good to see Riley Adams in the lineup and producing. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot because I think people at home can play along and it'll be fun. But – I mentioned Lane Thomas became the third national ever to steal four bases in a game. Do you know who the other two nationals who stole four bases in a game were? Did you see this stat yesterday? I, I think I saw it. I know Trey Turner. I think that one's pretty obvious. Yeah. And the, the other one is the interesting one for people playing along here. Do you have it? I don't remember if, who I saw. I'm going to go with uh, a speedy outfielder, but I don't know if it's right. Michael A. Taylor. It is Michael A. Taylor. June of 2018. And then Turner, uh, June of 2017. They did it actually, believe it or not, almost a year apart to the day. Turner did it of June 18th, 17. And then on June 17th, 18, uh, Michael Taylor did it 364 days later, which is pretty crazy. Uh, Thomas does it in a three for four game. Dominic Smith's really heated up, by the way. Two run single in the first inning, gave the Nats a two nothing lead over his last four games. He's six for 13, four driven in, finished two for four with a couple batted in. Uh, he's a guy, if, if you want you know, multi-year contract for someone who could play first base and help save your infield of some errors, uh, that maybe you, they could try to make calls on. I don't think they'll get much for him, and I, I can't imagine that there's a huge market for a first baseman who doesn't hit for a lot of power. Uh, but another veteran on this team who's kind of surging right now, they're going to trade Candelario. You'd like to think they're going to make calls on Ildemaro Vargas. I would just put Dom Smith in that conversation where if I'm Mike Rizzo, you know, I, I look at teams and, and I got a list that I'm being handed of, hey, here's bad defensive teams that could use some help at first base. You know, maybe I just call them and see what the price might be coming back for Dom Smith. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that any team's going to be super thrilled to get a guy that doesn't hit for a lot of power at the first base position, but he's got a decent average, gets on base, and like you said, plays great defense at first base. So if you want to improve defensively, Dominic Smith could help, and obviously Jamer Candelario has been really good defensively this year as well. So I think you got to factor that in with Jamer instead of just the bat, which is kind of what we expected when you signed the guy. You expected maybe to trade him as a guy that can get you some extra base hits, maybe some homers, but his defense this year has been fantastic as well. So going back a day earlier to game two of the, the series sweep, you referenced Josiah Gray's performance. Uh, Gray in that game had 13 swings and misses. And I mean, this guy's now just throwing a ton of different pitches. You know, we, we've, I thought, done a good job on the pod highlighting like how different his repertoire is. But if you look back to his outing, I don't know if you saw his pitch breakdown. So he only threw 87 pitches, I think it was. But he threw 23 sliders, 19 curveballs, 17 cutters, nine sinkers, seven changeups, seven sweepers, and five four seam fastballs. <laughs> I mean, so that, that's by definition, that's seven different pitches he threw. And, you know, four of them he threw between five and ten times. For the most part, it was slider, curveball, cutter. But he is in the lab, man. Like, Josiah Gray is pitching. This is not just chucking the ball and throwing it over. Uh, his curveball was unbelievable. Remember, he had mostly tabled that pitch for a little while, and you and I were kind of wondering why. He had 11 swings and seven whiffs on that pitch, which is almost half of his swings and misses. 
Uh, the slider did well as well. He got four swings and misses on a 11 swings on that pitch. But uh, yeah, I just, it, it's, it's fun to watch him at this point because he really is. You know, I hate to use this, this kind of cliche term, but it's like an artist out there, man. He's adding, he's subtracting, he's tinkering with grips. It seems like as he goes, like, it's pretty cool watching Josiah Gray right now. Yeah, and I mean, he starts the outing, and you're like, uh-oh, JoJo doesn't have it today. He's walking guys. He can't find the zone, but he finds a way to get through those first couple of innings. I think at one point, he'd thrown 25 pitches, and only 10 of them were for strikes. So you were like, uh-oh, this might not be good. And then after that, he found the zone, and he just pounded it with all types of different pitches. And I think the one that I want to point out there, Grant, that you mentioned, only five four-seamers. Only five. And that was his worst pitch last year. It was one of the worst pitches in baseball. And so I think he's finding ways to work around that. Obviously, the old tradition is work off the fastball, but that's not the case anymore. And for him, he's finding ways to work with the cutter, with a little bit of you know change-ups and sliders and finding ways to work through it without really throwing many fastballs. And the cutter is something that Franny pointed out on the broadcast. I think he did a good job of when you know you got that lefty up at the plate and you can have a a cutter that bears in on the hands. I mean, Mariano Rivera made a whole career out of throwing that singular pitch. So you can get lefties out with that pitch. You can get it, you know, running away and get some soft contact off righties as well. I'm excited to see him the rest of the season because he's just an interesting guy to watch. You know, when you watch a Gore outing, at times it just looks dominant, right? You know, five innings, eight Ks. It doesn't look like guys look real comfortable up there at the plate. That's not always the case with Josiah Gray. Guys look like they're ready to go. But he gets soft contact, he finds a way to miss barrels, and he just battles every single time out. So I think that's why, you know, I know JoJo is one of your favorite guys to watch. He's kind of endearing in that way, that he's not overpowering guys. He's not blowing you away with the fastball. He's just finding a way to battle through and grit through every single outing. And it's been an incredible year for him doing just that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, absolutely. He is. He's scrappy, uh, like this team is. <clears throat> I wanted to go back to the beginning of the start, though, that you referenced. Four-pitch walk to Wade right out of the chute, and he was right around the strike zone, but didn't get a couple calls, and he walks him on four pitches. Then on five pitches, Peterson walks with one called strike. And so you're nine pitches in, runners first and second with two walks. The whole thing changes. He gets ahead and then gets Davis to strike out. And then he gets a first pitch ground ball double play from Michael Conforto in the cleanup spot. So he's out of the inning fairly efficiently after eight balls in his first nine pitches. And I think it was like four pitches later, he's out of the inning with three outs. Then he starts the second inning against Yastrzemski with a four pitch walk. And you're thinking to your point, oh no, like this is going to be ugly. Uh, three pitches later, he gets a ground ball. Then he ends up getting another second, uh, second strikeout and then a first pitch ground ball out. And that was kind of the end of the road in terms of concern for him for the day. Overall, as you mentioned, uh, it's one of his better outings. Seven innings because of the you know depth that he went into the game with just 87 pitches. He had a stretch later where he had three straight 10-pitch innings. Uh, that, that, that'll get you deep into a game, right? Uh, four hits, one run, just four strikeouts, three walks. He'll take that every single time. And it was just 
Uh, I thought <clears throat> we've been saying for a while he was due to have one of those outings where you just you feel good about uh, how deep he went into the game and the efficiency, and it just hadn't happened, and he finally did. Which brings us back to game one and perhaps maybe the most surprising of the performances for the Nationals of the kind of the what I like to say the young pitchers that matter. Uh, Jake Irvin has thrown a couple times against the Giants. Like Josiah Gray this year, he owns the Giants. I mean, two, two of his best starts and Gray's best starts have come against this pretty good San Francisco team. For Jake Irvin, six and two-thirds of five-hit three-run ball, striking out nine. And he ran out of gas in the seventh, or else the line would have even looked better. Would have been a, a seven-inning outing with a, a hit or two fewer and maybe a run fewer, so flirting with ten strikeouts. But Kudos to Davey letting the big fella just be a workhorse. He threw over 110 pitches. Scherzer liked 111 pitches, 75 strikes. And for him, when you really dial in you know, the uh, peripherals and some of the things from his breakdown in the game, he had 13 swings and misses. You know, The pitch that was really, really good for him was his fastball at the top of the zone. He got nine swings and misses on his fastball. He threw primarily four seamers 46% of the time. He threw curveballs 26% of the time and then some two-seam sinkers 18% of the time. But what I liked about his outing from a pitching standpoint in terms of, like, pitch selection, Toby, this was – I don't have the numbers in front of me from his other starts, but it felt like by far the most change-ups we've seen from him. He threw 11 change-ups, which when you're throwing 111 pitches, you know, 10% of your pitches are change-ups. There's been outings where he threw one, two, three change-ups. I thought that really helped him. Yeah, I mean, when we talked about this guy when he first got called up, we thought he was going to be a two-pitch guy, maybe makes a couple of spot starts here or there, and then goes to the bullpen. But, you know, as long as he can continue to throw other pitches other than just fastball, what is it, curveball, I believe is his other pitch, or slider. I mean, as long as he's able to throw some of these other pitches, mixing in a changeup, like, you know, this is something that adds to the rebuild when you can have these guys like Jake Irvin because – you know, as much as we think he was probably just going to be a bullpen guy, I don't know, you know, what Rizzo was thinking. I don't know what, you know, Davey Martinez was thinking, but I don't think they were expecting this guy to stick in the rotation for as long as he has or even for the rest of the season. So, I mean, this is something they can add because now you're adding in another guy into the mix that can fill that, you know, fourth, fifth, maybe even a third starter role, depending upon how you slot in Gray and Gore. You know, that's something that is nice because you've got Rutledge still to come. You've got Cavalli still to come, Cole Henry, all these guys, Jake Bennett. At some point, these guys are going to get to the majors, but having a guy like a Jake Irvin that is continuing to produce like he has and not just the first time facing guys. You know, that's something that we saw with Gore at times. The first time he'd face the lineup, they couldn't get used to him. And then the next time through, they might, you know, find something on him or the second outing against that team, they might find something. Another good outing from Jake Irvin against the Giants where this team knows what he has. They've seen him before, and he was still able to go out there and execute and be efficient. So a heck of an outing for Jake Irvin. Probably, I think you could say, the best of his young career so far, and it's an encouraging sign. Yeah, it just, you know, part of the sweep makes it that much sweeter, I think. Uh, how about C.J. Abrams for the first time in his career amid this sweep going back-to-back -back games with home runs in games one and two of the series, went two for four with a bolt, in game one, went two for five with a bolt in game two, a combined three RBI while going four for nine and scoring four times Had another stolen base at the start of this series. Now, he is the king right now of getting called out on a steal, by the way, in real time, only to have it overturned by review, which has now happened three times for him over the last couple of weeks. But uh, the hot stretch that we continue to document for Abrams continues 310 in his last seven games, 370 in his last 15 
321 over his last 30. Uh, and, and the slug now is up 100 points from last year for the 22-year-old who seems to be breaking out as we continue to discuss. Yeah, I mean, you've seen flashes all throughout the year. You've seen him go second deck at times. And you're like, okay, there's a little more power than maybe you thought. I think you're seeing now that he's getting more comfortable at the plate overall. He can change his approach. He can, you know, first two pitches, maybe try to drive something or shoot something the other way. If he gets a breaking ball in the middle, he can turn on it and hit it over the outfield fence for a homer. I mean, this is something that I don't know that you expected a whole lot of homers out of this guy, but he's now, what, at the 10 home run mark? And I don't know that you would have expected him to get to that after what we saw last season where, you know, the the narrative coming in was a soft-hitting shortstop. And for the most part, it's not like his average exit velocity is way up there in the majors. It's not like it's anything impressive, but he can run into it every now and then. And we'll see as he continues to grow as a player. I mean, if you were to take his stats over just the last 30 games, like you said, he's a totally different guy. It's a guy that you would be talking about as an all-star if you took just the last 30 games and put it over a season. This is a guy that's been such a different player really over the last month, and then especially in that leadoff spot. I think he's taken ownership of that. He wants to get on base. He wants to steal bags. He wants to create havoc on the base paths. And that's the kind of guy that you expected when you traded for him from San Diego. So, you know, this is a guy that we've talked about a ton as being very young. He's learning at the big league level. And, you know, we'll continue to see throughout the rest of the season. But early returns of him in the leadoff spot in this last month make it seem like he might have found something at this level. Sometimes it just... You can't really explain it with these guys. You talk about it in other sports slowing down. I think that's kind of what's happened for him at the major league level now. Is it starting to slow down just a little bit, and he can let some of that talent shine through? 